So this is the City Club, and I think that gives you a nice sampling of, of who's in the room. Uh, we convene civic leaders, business leaders, nonprofit leaders, uh, you know, elected officials, appointed officials, uh, to really elevate the dialogue in Chicago. Um, many of us here are proud of our Irish heritage. Um, some are, are, are more farther removed than others. Um, and you're going to hear also from Trish Rooney on the panel, who is a philanthropic uh, and business leader here in Chicago. Uh, Trish had it, hosted a, uh, a wonderful dinner last night for, uh, for a few of us at her home. Uh, thank you, Trish, for that. Um, and, and again, you'll, you'll hear from Trish and all these different connections that we have between our wonderful city um, and, and the country of Ireland. Um, Chicago, well, having really elevating the conversation uh, is, is what we're all about here. Um, and we even have students from the Booth School of Business. So we're looking at the next generation, and we've got City Club kind of helping to elevate and bring, bring forward the next generation uh, of folks to elevate that dialogue and come up with some, some great solutions to issues that we have in our city and state. Um, having you here, Ambassador, really further elevates our platform, which really amplifies the messages of so many that, that are identifying challenges that face our city and our region, and more importantly, providing, providing those solutions. Uh, Chicago and, and Cook County, Madam President, and of course the state of Illinois, uh, we are the center of America. I'd, I'd like to say we're the center of the universe, but I, I won't get too carried away. Um, as, you, uh, as you heard, Ambassador um, from Governor Pritzker last night, who was so kind to join us uh, at dinner, he said, we're back. Illinois is back. And um, these sorts of events and this sort of visit from you really proves that. You know, it's spring in Chicago. The tulips are, are, are blooming. The weather is changing. And we have a new mayor and a city council coming in. We're going to be hosting the Democratic National Convention next year. We're back, um, you know, as, as President Biden mentioned last week. Uh, I know a few of you were with him in Ireland just last week. And Chicago's back on the map and, the, and, and, and excited to move forward. With all that, our challenges, we've seen them. We're going to continue to see them. Um, we've seen a few just in the past week or so. Um, the City Club is, is proud to be at the center of these important conversations, as we have been for the last 120 years. Um, so thank you to all of you, especially our City Club members, uh, for, for helping make this institution thrive and continue to thrive for the next 100 years. Um, we're, we're, we're doing more. We've more to come. And uh, this is a great example of, of what that looks like, uh, an event that you likely would not have seen at City Club over the last 120 years. Um, so thank you for indulging me in some of my favorite things, Ireland and Chicago, uh, and City Club and family and friends uh, on this beautiful Friday. We have a great program uh, for you today, and um, we're a little bit behind, but I promise you, if you're able to stay till the end, we have a couple of incredible surprises uh, that I won't tell you about, but you'll see. <laughs> so enjoy the rest of the program. Here to, uh, here to, to kick us off uh, and introduce her, her new friend, uh, the ambassador, is the chairwoman of the City Club of Chicago and my good friend, Jackie Robinson Ivy. Thank you.
Well, good afternoon, everyone. And you can keep eating. I am not that girl. You can please keep eating because we probably shouldn't be doing so when the ambassador gets up. Um, I would like to say that to my dear friend Trish, while your home was beautiful, I can't come again because I ate way too many calories. It was such a wonderful meal. So I can't come again. But I'm coming, just so you know. Um, Dan told me that I didn't have on enough green, and I was trying really hard. I guess I don't have on Irish green, I'm told, so I'm now wearing an... Shamrock, I don't know if you can, can you say that? Okay, so that passes for my green, right? Okay, wonderful. Um, I also want to say to our elected officials and to anyone else who does what I'm paid to do at the Northern Trust, we have some work to do. I learned last night that Ireland's voter turnout, Brian Hopkins, do you have any idea, Alderman, how high it is? If you know the answer, I'm going to be really upset. 60%. Nope, 73. So we've got some work to do, right? Chicago does not like to be shamed, and we have completely been shamed. Um, so I was so inspired by everything that happened at dinner last night. I think I left a better person because, um, you know, Ireland fought for a lot of the things that they have, and, you know, we certainly know something about that. So we've got to do better. But I am honored today to serve as the chair of the City Club of Chicago. And Dan said that this is the club. I don't know if everyone is a member, um, but to our guests, thank you so much for being here as well. Um, it is my distinct honor to stand here as the chair, but also as the Senior Vice President of Public Affairs and Government Relations for Northern Trust, of which we have an office in Dublin and Limerick. Was that a shameless plug? <laughs> Henry, I get a pass for that, right? Um, but it is certainly my honor to introduce Ambassador. Um, she is just phenomenal. You know, you meet some people and you're like, yeah, they're really nice. No. After you hear her today, you will understand what I'm saying. You all come up to me and say, yep, you're right, Jay. Um, so happy that her fascinating career has led us to be these recipients of having a conversation with her today. Just a week or so ago, she was greeted, she, the ambassador greeted President Biden on his historic trip to Ireland, marking 25 years since the signing of the Good Friday Agreement. She described it in an interview on CBS as an extraordinarily important and joyful moment. We're hoping she shares a few of those highlights with us on today. She assumed her role as Ireland's 19th ambassador to the United States last August. Before that, she was the ambassador and permanent representative of Ireland to the United Nations in New York. Not to mention ambassador to France, second secretary, secretary general in the department of the Taoiseach, ambassador and Ireland's deputy permanent representative to the EU, and director of the National Forum in Europe. The list goes on, and I would direct you to... Google whomever else to learn more about her because I don't want to stand up here and take up time that she could be talking. Um, I do think that there's got to be a book or a movie or something, which I'd be happy to do the voiceover for. <laughs> maybe a Carrie Gold commercial. You guys learned about that in a little bit. Um, maybe some history about some Irish dancing. I listen to everything, so you'll hear all these little giblets a little bit later. Um, but just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person. And um, 
I'd like for us to soak in every piece of what she's going to say today. And I hope that, as Dan said, you can stay until the end because you're going to find the end of our program is going to be just as fabulous as having the conversation with the ambassador. So please, everyone, please rise to your feet and give a warm City Club welcome to Ireland's ambassador to the United States, Geraldine Byrne Mason. Thank you so much indeed, Jackie. You can do my voice over any time. <laughs> Hello uh, in my own native language. I'm just so thrilled to be here with you uh, this afternoon in Chicago. You know, President Biden, as you heard, was with us last week in Ireland, and uh, he said that uh, being in Ireland felt like coming home. And I have to say, as Ireland's 19th, as I keep remind, being reminded, the 19th ambassador to the United States, coming to Chicago genuinely also feels like, for me, a sort of a homecoming. I, there is such a strength of connection between Ireland and Chicago. It's a history that runs deep. It's a people-to-people -people relationship that's warm that's meaningful, that's historic, but it's modern. So it's a friendship that has stood the test of time. And I regret it took me seven, eight months to get here. Uh, but uh, I can honestly say, even with a few hours here, that I, the warmth of your welcome has been extraordinary. It's just great to be here. And I'm really honored, President Preckwinkle, that you uh, spend time with us. I I can reveal your big secret, which is, of course, that she had the wisdom to be born on St. Patrick's Day. So, <laughs> I, Small little parenthesis that she should have had Patricia in her name, but maybe we can make her an, an honorable Patricia as you go forward. I really, really am grateful uh, that you're with us. And I want to acknowledge, of course, the City Club CEO, Dan, dear Dan Gibbons. And my friend and often partner in crime, uh, our, the uh, Ireland Fund's uh, America CEO, uh, Katrina Fottrell. Thank you both for uh, joining me uh, today. Now, I popped in here uh, very briefly uh, on the Friday uh, ahead of St. Patrick's Day for breakfast with 600 of my closest friends. Um, it was a wonderful first, uh, first dipping of my toe into the Chicago uh, society and community. Um, but I have to say uh, that on my first official visit here uh, this, uh, this week, I have to, uh, to say that you really can rival our own Cade Mila Falcha, and I wanted to say a Cade Mila Falcha to the elected representatives who are with us and to the uh, the chairs of the uh, Illinois Irish Caucus. I'm, I'm very grateful that you took the time to be with us. Thanks to Trish for a fantastic evening last night, Trish Rooney. Um, Marianne O'Shea and Deirdre who will also be joining us on the panel in a few minutes. And I, I am also very much looking forward to hearing your own perspectives on what is an extraordinary successful relationship, not not just between Ireland and the United States, of course, but particularly between Ireland and Chicago. And if I speak of Chicago, I speak of our fantastic Consul General and Vice Consul General, uh, Sarah Keating, Kevin Byrne and Sarah, uh, who are both with us today. 
Apart from Kevin's brilliance, he happens to share an important characteristic with me, which is that he comes from the very proud county of County Louth. And I can see two gentlemen, the McPartland duo here, who spent the last few weeks in uh, County Louth preparing the visit of President Biden. So that was one of the high points. Look, in my remarks uh, this afternoon, I'm just going to focus and reflect a little bit on the Ireland-US-Chicago economic relationship, EU-US relations, because I think they're an important part of our wider conversation. And I will say a word about President Biden's visit and, of course, touch on what's very important to us in any conversation we have here, which is the situation in Northern Ireland. Tonight, I'm going to speak at DePaul University on the Good Friday Agreement in particular and um, the ongoing implementation of our peace process. So I won't go into too much detail on that here, but I'll be happy, of course, to, to answer questions. Uh, before I start lauding this remarkable economic relationship uh, that we have um, in its depth, its strength, uh, its, its very nature, um, I always like to share, share a few numbers because I think that many of you here in this room do business and uh, numbers speak volumes literally when you look at them. So, you know, I know that Ireland sits, you could say, large in, in America and particularly in the mind uh, of Irish America, mind and heart, as I found out last week with President Biden. But truth be told, and this is only amongst friends, so I wouldn't share this more widely, we're actually quite a small country. Um, we, like, we like to say compact uh, Physically, the country itself is uh, half the size of Illinois. Our population at 5 million is lower than that of Cook County, as the President will know. Yet despite this, I believe we're mighty. In 2021, the total value of goods traded between Ireland and the US was over $70 billion. That represents about a fifth of Ireland's total. And if we look at the combined goods and services numbers, they're even larger. Last year, it accounted for an immense quarter of a trillion euro in trade, so about $265 billion. President Biden, on the floor of the parliament, pulled it all together in a number that I think is even better, so I'm going to use it now. So in 2021, he said the total value of our bilateral economic relationship across trade, goods, services, and investment was over a trillion dollars. So I think that those numbers numbers are just a contextual uh, full stop before we get into discussing the nature of the relationship. The United States itself, one of Ireland's largest, most important trading partners, and as you'll have seen during the visit last week, of course, Irish people give warm welcome to visitors when they come to the island. But I would say for US companies that come to the island, you get a big add-on. And I'll just tell you what the add-on is, because it's in the most educated, youngest workforce in Europe. We have a political stability uh, second to none, and I think you know what it looks like when that's not on offer. We have a dynamic research and development ecosystem, and a general ease of doing business that I think has been recognized year after year, so much so that we really have an outstanding and probably unrivaled track record in bringing foreign direct investment into an open, one of the most open economies in the world, which is the Irish economy. We also um, provide 
U.S. firms with a really competitive but welcoming English language gateway to the EU single market. That's one of the largest markets in the world. There are 440 million consumers, I'll say that again, 440 million consumers in the EU single market. It's the largest labour market in the world. There's over 200 million people working in the single market. Um, I'm glad to see Marion O'Shea is here with us from PepsiCo, and I know I, I've no doubt that she can speak to the experiences of some of the positive engagements of PepsiCo. I know others of you in the audience will share that experience. Um, today, all in all, we have 900 U.S. companies operating in Ireland, directly directly employing 200,000 people on the island of Ireland. That's, um, in my view, ha about half of the jobs that issue from this relationship. I figure there's probably another 200,000 and, and behind that. And while I think that's a story that pe most, most Americans will recognise, you're number one FDI investor in Ireland. What's a bit less known is the two-way street that we operate. And that means that uh, the nature of our economic relationship is what we like to call mutually beneficial. Um, approximately 650 Irish companies are funding 100,000 jobs here in the United States, in all 50 states. If you add those numbers up, it makes us the ninth foreign direct investor in the United States. So for a small island on the edge of the Atlantic with a troubled enough history and a modern progression that we are in the top 10 investors in the most powerful economy in the world, I think says a lot about the nature of our relationship. And I know that just within Chicago, the city of Chicago proper here, there are more than 700 jobs funded by those Irish investors. And next week in um, Washington, We'll be welcoming other Irish investors for Select USA, um, a very large group of investors coming in. We'll have representatives of city and state with us. But I know today we have one of our national champions here on the panel, Irlet Smith of Oranua, um, which has six manufacturing plants right across the United States and is very much heading to a billion dollar figure that I know Irleth will speak to later. And he might even tell you how I've been recruited on his team, which is uh, an insider's joke. But um, I mentioned to you that our, our, um, our status as the ninth FTI um, source here in the United States gives me great pride um, because it's economically important, but also because I think it reflects the relationship and shows that um, a country that's been so much a friend to Ireland and a supporter for generations is also a country where we are doing business, where we're in the top 10 of your uh, investors here in the United States. I'll be very clear about it. You heard in my uh, curriculum vitae that I chaired Ireland's Economic Council. I did that at a time of... Uh of some darkness uh, on the island. Uh, it was back in 2011, 2013, when Ireland was locked out of the financial markets. So we know what uh, tough times look like. Um, we were in an EU IMF program for three years. Um, so 
the nature of the relationship I've just described, Ireland's growth rate last year was over 8%. We don't take any of that for granted. We prioritize our economic relations in absolutely everything we do at the embassy in Washington and here in our fantastic consulate in Chicago. Um, our state economic promotion agencies are based here. They have operations out of Chicago, um, right across the US. The Industrial Development Authority, the IDA, which supports uh, US companies seeking to invest in Ireland, are extremely active here. Um, and they also help those companies. I touched on this gateway to Europe idea earlier. They help those companies to expand uh, beyond uh, their Irish base into Europe, into the EU market. And we also have Enterprise Ireland here, which supports Irish companies uh, trading internationally or setting up operations overseas. Um, in Ireland, it's a whole of government commitment and responsibility. We're really steadfast to growing uh, our trade and economic relationship uh, for both our benefits in that two-way street way that we do it now. And as I say, important to us because I remember harder times very recently, but of course, for the first half of this uh, century, of, these, of, of the century of our independence, so of the last century, Ireland really was a, an underdeveloped and rather isolated country. I was sharing that with the president just now. And many of our brightest and best emigrated um, to this great city, in many cases, to build careers and lives overseas. And many did it because there simply wasn't a choice on the island of Ireland. I've no doubt that some of you here, or maybe it was your parents or grandparents, had to make that hard decision at the time. Um, and I'm really proud now to say that due to economic development, Ireland's youth have a choice. In fact, Ireland now is a country of net inward immigration. Um, we have talented and skilled people coming from right across the globe into Ireland for decades now. And that has also helped us to see a huge social transformation in Ireland over the last 50 years, but particularly in the last 20 years. We're now, I'm proud to say, I represent a country that's an equal, diverse society. We have made big steps forward from marriage equality and women's rights to one of the highest minimum wages and strongest labour rights in the world. We're also expanding universal access for, uh, to affordable health care, child care and early years, early, uh, years education. Um, so I don't mind saying it from here, Ireland looks very good from where I stand today. It's also a critical year, and uh, you touched on that, Jackie, in your introduction. Um, it's a, an anniversary year for Ireland. Uh, we're 50 years this year um, as a member of the European Union. Um, European Union, the, the world's third largest trading bloc. I'm a former ambassador to the EU, so I'm an ardent advocate for recognising uh, how transformational our membership of the European Union um, has been in our modern evolution, our modern history. Um, right now, just for that part of the narrative I mentioned about Gateway, right now Ireland is at the table as one of the most experienced EU member states shaping the EU's trade agenda. 
our officials and our ministers have really developed a, a really highly skilled and respected role at that table. Regrettably, our British partners are no longer at the table with us, but we have taken opportunity also from, from that. I think within the EU, we're recognised as being to the forefront of encouraging the conclusion of what I like to call the new generation of trade and investment partnerships, and that's covering a whole range of rules and standards, making the trade investment environment more friendly uh, to third countries, um, and that importantly includes the United States. It making working with us in Europe easier, more predictable, and there's a structure in place for working through our problems. And we have occasionally, as in all trade relationships like good marriages, we have our bumpy, uh, bumpy paths, but we now have a, uh, an in-house council, as it were, in the EU-US Trade uh, and Tech Council that helps us to work through those. So we see that, um, that role that Ireland plays as the dominant gateway to Europe for the USA as absolutely critical and in the interests of Ireland and the United States that we continue to work on that. And in many in many ways, what we're doing is the outworking of a sort of a natural bridge between the US and the EU. I mean, we advocate in the EU, in the inner sanctum, all the time, I'll say, for um, more ambition and for deepening of the EU-US relationship. Um, we, we do that in terms of the economy, we do it politically, and we're doing it on security in this very challenging international environment. I mentioned they're not news to anyone here. The United Kingdom has now left the European Union. And apart from the difficulties that move has created for Northern Ireland, and I will underline here, they are considerable. We regret deeply that the, e the UK is no longer alongside us at the table. We walked into uh, the, the EU uh, Council, the EU family, on the same day back in 1974, and when the British left, we, we recognised that we've lost an ally and certainly a champion of free trade. We were part of the Northern Liberal Free Trade Bloc in the European Union, certainly sitting the European Union in a comfortable partnership with the United States. And that has been a, a, a hit. We've taken a hit there. It means, of course, that Ireland now has a greater responsibility to speak up for this economic model that we collectively, I think, in this room believe in. Um, and it means we have to work harder to shape the EU's economic agenda. But it also means that we have an opportunity. And Ireland is taking that opportunity to occupy a bigger footprint in shaping that relationship, in shaping the structure and the order of the European Union as it moves forward. We're doing that because we're building alliances with other like-minded countries in the European Union, and we're certainly articulating the benefits of free and, and open competition. So uh, before I conclude, I, Jackie gave me the entree there. I'll speak about President Biden's visit um, just briefly. Um, it just was quite a, I'm still emotional when I think of the, the, la, the week I have just passed. Um, I've, been, uh, I've been a diplomat for 40 years now, but I have to say it's as good as it gets to welcome uh, a president like Joe Biden uh, to Ireland. It was an extraordinarily significant 
people use historic in a cliche way. It was historic moment and momentous uh, as well as emotional for us, uh, that four-day visit. Um, I was with them and the delegation. Um, I was thrilled um, with the McPartlands that I could introduce him to County Louth, my home county, as I said, where Kevin and I um, uh, both hail from. But it's also where President Biden's maternal uh, roots are, his maternal uh, ancestors, the Finnegan family, come from. But it was, of course, much more than um, a moment of uh, reflection of uh, ancestry. It was a time that we chose collectively between the United States and Ireland to reaffirm the strength of the partnership and the depth. And I think that's something that we don't always recognize, that there are many partnerships the United States has across the globe. Um, but I don't think there's a, a country that could claim the depth of affinity and relationship that Ireland has uh, with the United States. It's always exciting to have a U.S. president visit our shores. Um, uh, we've had... 23 of the 46 presidents who claimed Irish heritage. But to have a, a U.S. president like President Biden, a man who's quite literally animated, I think, by his Irish heritage, who's driven by his Irish values that were passed down to him from his parents and grandparents, and who's so passionate about our poetry and our literature, it was absolutely a joyful moment. And anyone following the visit, even in snippets here, you could see the enthusiasm, the genuine warmth of connection, the depth of engagement by the president, but that was met in a huge embrace by the the plain people of Ireland who came out on the streets in my own county, County Louth, who came out in Belfast, who were in Dublin, of course, street corners, people hanging out of uh, offices, uh, waving, just waving at the car as it went by. He was welcomed back as one of our own. And for him, probably the big moment when he arrived in Ballymena in the west of Ireland, I know there are Mayo people in this room, surely, um, he certainly had a huge moment. He thrilled the people of Ballina with his final words, which was Mayo for Sam, which those of you who follow Gaelic uh, football will understand um, how courageous it was that he said that, but maybe how needed it was as well. Um, look, it was important for the president, of course, retracing the steps of his forebears, those who, who brought um, with them the values and the hopes really that formed him in Carlingford. But I think it, or in Carlingford, I, I, who, that formed him. Carlingford's on my mind as I look forward here. But, you know, as he was looking out in Carlingford at the water, the lock from beyond which his family probably saw their final, um, their final sight in Ireland, he underlined something that I think is really political and that those values aren't just memories and family treasures and assets. They're actually political values. And he spoke about freedom, equality, dignity, family and courage. Um, and I think that's something that we, we see emerging in terms of a political narrative and indeed something that's a shared set of values between our two countries on the global stage. You know, he was, as he was in Mayo, he received the remaining stone of his family homestead. That was a, a really 
personal moment for him, but I think it was also a broader Irish-American experience, literally a touchstone he's been given of his family history. Um, the most Irish-American president uh, who represents now over 30 million Americans proudly holding Irish heritage. And to say that grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-great-grandparents left Irish shores to build a better life but in doing so, built a better America for everyone as well. And that an America that has those values, even if you don't reflect them every day, they're at the heart and the essence of what you are as the United States. And we hold dear to that, a genuine pride in what the US is as a, as a country, but also in the achievements of the Irish in America and of Irish America. During his visit, the, the President and the Secretary of State both had very important discussions. I was party to those discussions on issues that range from Ukraine to China to food security, issues of the Middle East. So we're not just a, an emotional couple. Uh, we actually assume our responsibilities on the global stage together. I saw that in Technicolor as ambassador at the Security Council, but we were making it clear that we're firm partners um, in so many other areas when the president was in Ireland. And we also have great gratitude um, for the attention that generations of Irish Americans have given to Ireland, um, and in particular, and I'll come into to closure here, in particular on uh, the journey towards peace in Ireland, um, President Biden chose a, a, an important moment to come to Ireland exactly 25 years ago um, since the Good Friday Agreement uh, uh, was signed. Now, the signature of the agreement brought an end to a conflict that had lasted over 30 years, claimed 3,500 lives. But it was a moment, the Good Friday Agreement, a moment when Someone, it, it, it was actually George Mitchell in Belfast this week said, when history opened up to hope. It was a moment when we actually believed it was possible to create a future on the island based on peace, power sharing and respect. And of course that agreement, the Good Friday Agreement, belongs primarily to the people uh, of Northern Ireland. But I always say that this US brokered agreement was made in America. I'll talk more, as I said, about it this evening, but if I can conclude with making a few points on where we just stand now, um, 25 years is a long time, but it's certainly not a job that we've finished yet. Um, despite the fact, <laughs> I can put it like that, that the UK has left the EU. The, they, they are really, uh, in the UK, a very, very important um, partner for for Ireland. And EU member states, including Ireland, are continuing to do trade and business with, with the UK uh, on issues uh, of shared importance. Energy, I can mention, but there are many others. Um, but at the core of the EU-UK relationship really is the framework for managing the situation in Northern Ireland, including what we call the protocol to the EU-UK uh, withdrawal agreement, 
then specifically designed really to protect that Good Friday Agreement. You know, we have, we have moved over the last 25 years in phases of implementation. It hasn't always been perfect and particularly the institutions haven't always functioned as we hoped they would. But Brexit brought this huge, almost, almost an existential threat to uh, peace on the island because the, the framework of the Good Friday Agreement always assumed free, free uh, correspondence, free travel on the island of Ireland. Um, the protocol was specifically designed to protect the Good Friday Agreement, including avoiding a hard border, a hard land border, um, and maintaining conditions where that north-south cooperation that's so fundamental would be respected, but also that the integrity of Ireland's place in the single market, in that European market I spoke about earlier, and indeed the integrity of the single market itself would be respected. So in February, the EU and the UK finally, it took a long time, but they got there, reached an agreement on the way forward on this protocol on Northern Ireland, the Windsor framework. And we welcome that. Uh, we wanted it to happen earlier. The people in Northern Ireland, as you will know, voted against leaving the European Union. So this was both politically as well as economically fundamental that we fixed this phase. Um, and there are comprehensive solutions in this Windsor framework. We now uh, hope that this agreement, the latest agreement, will bring all parties back to getting the institutions of the Good Friday Agreement in Northern Ireland up and running. There's a democratic deficit there right now. Elections held last May have not been respected because people have not been in a position in Northern Ireland. Elected Assembly members have not been in a position to take their place in the Assembly and the Executive, which is the governmental arm, has not been in a position to assume its responsibilities, to vote a budget, to manage the healthcare system. This public servants are carrying all of that right now. This is not democratically how it should be. So um, we are, uh, if I make a plea at all, it is here to say that the Good Friday Agreement, that extraordinary moment of history opening up to hope, still has a, a way to go to being realised, but that the efforts of the Irish government, of the UK government, is to encourage parties to get back to the table. President Biden's visit, his remarks on his visit, couldn't have been more important to us in bringing momentum to that. Um, I spent a number of uh, long, long hours at that UN Security Council, and I can tell you that um, peace agreements like the Good Friday Agreement are extremely rare to non-existent. And we have a phrase in, in Gaelic, which is, and rather's on a visiantuk, what's rare is wonderful. So we treasure the Good Friday Agreement, and we want uh, to make sure that it works. So I'll conclude on that note, and look forward to having a chat with you all uh, as the panel takes its place. Thank you. Thank you, Ambassador. Please, and Katrina, thank you, Ambassador. Incredible remarks. Uh, right here would be great. As we get situated, and I'm going to ask the other panelists to join us, um, and, I, and I will ask Katrina to say hello and introduce our panelists. Yes, right there would be perfect. Perfect. Here, I'm going to pull this up. Good. Yeah. I, I will take a second to mention, I hope you're all enjoying your desserts. It's about as local as can be. 
Um, Delicious. Katrina, so we have Vosges chocolate, um, Vosges chocolate and Ida's ice cream. Two women minority owned companies from Chicago that we, we, we absolutely love. Every time I go to Ireland, I bring Vosges to, uh, as, as gifts. So it's, it's been spread across the, uh, the country. So thank you for being here with us and providing this um, incredible dessert. So please enjoy that. And Terrence Sims, I believe, is here from Ida's. Are you? You're right there. There you go, Terrence. Thank you so much. We're enjoying it. Uh, and I'm going to hand this over to, uh, I Great. think you got your mic yep, work. I do. If you could say hello and, and introduce our panelists. Thank Super. you. Super. Thank you so much. Um, first of all, let me start by saying thank you to the ambassador for that outstanding speech uh, and just such a great overview of the extraordinary relationship there is between our two countries. Um, I would also like to comment on the dessert. It is spectacular. Thank you so much, my goodness. Um, but And thank you to Jackie for, for hosting us here um, at, at the club today. This has been just such a phenomenal opportunity for us to get, dig a little bit deeper into this conversation. Um, it's a conversation we could have all day. We, we, we won't. We'll, we'll take 20 minutes here on the panel just to go through this a little bit more. My name is Katrina Fottrell and I'm the CEO of the Ireland Funds. And we were founded in 1976 in, specifically in response to the troubles in Northern Ireland. We've been in Chicago for over 39 years. I'm delighted to be here today with my colleague Anya Malahan and my former colleague and dear friend Roseanne uh, Lefevre who's here also and many of our board board members. Um, we have an event every fall in, in uh, Chicago and we hope you can come to it. I know many of you have been to it, but it really is a phenomenal example of that extraordinary um, friendship and camaraderie and partnership that there is between Ireland and Chicago. And I was blown away that we have half the population of Cook County and half the size of Illinois. It's quite extraordinary and such an outsized, I think, uh, connection and friendship. And it was really interesting to talk to Northern Trust earlier in here about going over to Ireland in 2000, when Ireland was so different. I graduated in the 90s and there were no jobs for graduates in the 90s. We all left. We all mostly came to the US and Ireland has changed so fundamentally and we're so proud of those changes. But it wouldn't have happened without our great partners in the US. And this is such an extraordinary week. I mean, we are all floating in Ireland after the visit of the President of the United States for four days. And what was extraordinary was all of the sentimentality, all of the beauty of that visit. But there was such depth to it as well. I mean, he came with a big delegation, serious business was done, and we so appreciate that and are so excited about the opportunities that will come out of that. And also, at the beginning of this week, there was a huge contingent in Northern Ireland marking the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement. And I'll just mention on your table, there's a little thing here called The Possible. It was a speech given by Senator George Mitchell. And honestly, it's one for everyone to read over a cup of coffee in the morning. It is such a message of hope. As as, um, the ambassador said, when history opens up to the possibility of hope. But it was also a great call to action for all of us. It has taken 25 years. Um, The agreement would not have happened without the US. And yet progress has probably been frustratingly slow at times. But big changes take time. And what's been so spectacular about the relationship between our two countries is, I think, that understanding, that consistency, that long term. We're we're all in it for the long haul. And I think there's so much, uh, there are so many layers to it. And what we wanted to tap into on, on the panel today is just the different experiences around business and philanthropy and politics and all of that. And each of our panels, each of our panelists have a very different um perspective on that. Just to briefly introduce them, we have Marianne O'Shea from uh, PepsiCo, we have Trisha Rooney from R4 and so much more in Chicago, and we have 
uh, Irla Smith from Ornua, and the name of the company of Ornua might not be familiar, but we all love his butter, so he'll tell us more about that. And of course, the ambassador. So I will start with Marianne, if that's okay, Marianne, and you might just talk about your sort of journey to Chicago and, and the depth of the relationship for PepsiCo and, and you. Yeah, thank you, Katrina. I'm very happy to do that. And um, also just want to briefly uh, thank the Chicago Club uh, for hosting this and including uh, me on this panel and all of the wonderful dignitaries. And I'm seeing a lot of friends also in in the room. So it's really nice to be here with you all. Um, The connection between Ireland um, and the U.S., and particularly Chicago and the U.S., cuts both personal and professional for me. I am a Cork woman. Um, I grew up in, in Cork. I had got all my education in Dublin, in UCD and DCU. And um, I'm not saying this to sing my praises, but just to tell you, I have a PhD in nutritional biochemistry. And the gift of that Irish education has really enabled and fueled a career that is extraordinary and allowed me to have a very global um, presence in, in my job. And it's something that I think, you know, has really been a huge asset to me. And I know the ambassador mentioned it already. The education system in Ireland is just an extraordinary uh, advantage in Ireland, but also for those of us who are the product of Ireland uh, elsewhere. So I'm in Chicago now, about 20 years. I'm happy to call Chicago home. I met my Irish husband here in Chicago, uh, Wexford man Eamon Byrne, and we have four very American children, but they love to be, uh, they love to be in, in Ireland. And professionally, I work for um, yeah, the largest food and beverage company here in the U.S. and pretty much in the world, PepsiCo. Um, for those of you who may not know, um, you're probably familiar with our beverage brands. Everybody knows the, the sodas that we make. We have huge water business. We have sports drinks, Gatorade. But we also have a very substantial foods business. Um, Lay's, very loved here in the U.S., snacks, but Quaker Oats is an example. Um, and all around the world, we have dairy interests in, in Eastern Europe, in South America, We um, pride ourselves that we're in 200 countries and our products are consumed 1.3 billion times a day. So it's a a very large organization, um, very interesting company. And I'll come to, um, to the connection, the very close and strategic connection we have with Ireland. But I often get an eyebrow raise when I tell my background as a nutrition, nutritional biochemist, the expertise that I have and the role that we have in the company, and then Pepsi. So many often wonder, like, what is Pepsi doing? Or what's going on there behind the doors? So about 15 years ago, like any uh, large, well-performing business, the company had a close look at its, at its uh, portfolio and decided it needed to really transform as a company to be relevant for the consumer of the future. And um, that transformation journey um, is the reason that I'm working in the company. It takes up, I would say, 99% of my time, morning, noon, and night. And I work with an incredible team. But what we are doing is really moving from a very historical and loved chip and soda 
company to really expanding our portfolio to meet the needs of today's consumers with a lot of uh, healthier, more nutritional uh, products. Uh, we have a number of mergers and acquisitions. You may be familiar with, with several uh, new products we have in our portfolio that are much loved. I know here in the U.S., like Bare Naked is there, um, OTEP. There's a lot of very interesting uh, products. And at the same time, we're working on those legacy um, sodas, chips, to reduce nutrients that are a concern for, for consumers. So added sugars saturated fat, sodium, or if you still really love your soda, we have um, you know, a lot of sugar-free options and things like that. So that's the journey we're on. We um, started operations in Ireland uh, close to 50 years ago now. We have a very substantial workforce in Ireland. And we have one of our largest concentrate production facilities in the world there. We have a very big R&D center there. Outside of the U.S., it's probably in our top five in terms of size from an R&D point of view. And as the ambassador mentioned, the reason for that is that the quality of the workforce and the education is just, we have the best expertise in the world right there in, in our facilities in Cork. We've, um, we've just completed um, over $120 million expansion and uh, look forward to opening that um, uh, with Minister Coveney in, in May next month. So that will be another landmark moment. But we've been really, really fortunate um, to have Ireland as a facility and that partnership over 50 years has been enabled by the IDA and the Irish government. Really a very close partnership and interestingly, when you're anywhere in the world and you're picking up one of our beverages, most most likely it started in Cork because a lot of our uh, concentrates are produced there and shipped to the world. So it's been a fantastic, uh, a fantastic uh, relationship for the company. Amazing. Thank you. And Trish, as the uh, Chicago person on our panel, you, you'd have a, a, another perspective on it. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So, I mean, I think my Irish roots helped me. Um, my first boss, Jan Costner, is in the room um, at Jessica Terman. It, it gave me my Irish roots. I think the hard work and I think the Irish community here in Chicago allows each other to help each other. And I think that's one of the beauties. Um, Mick O'Rourke and I were talking about why, why we love Chicago and Illinois is because we all want to help each other and the values. So when I started my company, I store... Uh, records for companies like United Airlines and Pfizer and all sorts of banks and construction companies like Walsh Construction. So when I started 30 years ago here in Chicago, I went to people like Pat Ryan and said, what do you do? What does Aon do with their records? And um, people like Jim O'Connor at Commonwealth Edison and said, what do you do with your records? And I think that Irish heritage and culture and the feeling of we all want to help each other and we all want to see each other succeed has helped me build, you know, a $20 million business here in Chicago in 30 years and, and continues to grow. And we continue to offer services. And I mean, I really think of um, that has so much to do with our Irish community and our relationship with Ireland and um, having wonderful um, young people wanting to come over here and be in our workforce and, and work very hard and be um, inventive and innovative. So I think the relationship and all of the, the good things from 
you know, Ireland and, and the Chicago relationship is strong and thriving and continues to evolve. And I'm lucky at our four services um, to, to benefit so much from that. So it's, it's really, you know, the strong you know, business climate here in Chicago of everyone wanting to pitch in and help each other and see each other succeed. And I think, you know, aren't Irish people like this in Ireland and in Chicago? We want to connect the dots for each other. Yeah. And and I think that has made, um, you know, my company and my team successful because we're always connecting dots mm. and trying to help people. And, and I think that's just the Irish, you know, Irish the Irish way and the Irish American way. And, um, so it's just been a great, um, you know, partnership. And I feel very lucky to have sat at dinner with Geraldine last night. And she's such a dynamic woman in women's issues as well as financial and has been such a great, uh, foreign leader. And it's so, I love, you know, learning, um, from you and hearing your stories and, I we could always could take a nugget back to my company, which I think will help things you know grow, and and learning from you. Um, so it's just and thanks to Dan, to Jackie for putting this together, and I found I mean it's just been a great experience and a great place to um, start a business here in Chicago and yeah. a great community, civic and business. So we I will continue with our. You know, Irish heritage to, to keep growing our relationships, but fabulous. Well, with a name like Rooney, you can't deny so it anyway. You need so it's uh, scanning, great. storage, <laughs> shredding, <laughs> electronic waste. Exactly. Call me, all my people. Fabulous. We're happy to help, and it's very fun to meet you. And <laughs> great. And Irla, when when Ornua were looking at the states, you could have come anywhere. What what made you pick Chicago, and and, and how has that gone? Yeah, well, I'll give a background on Ornua first. I'll we'll probably give context then for Chicago. So Ornua is Ireland's largest dairy exporter. We are a co-op, and we are owned by the 14,000 dairy farmers of America, all farming families uh, dotted around the country of Ireland. And uh, we're the proud owner of the Kerrygold brand that you've had our butter, and we're going to have cheese later. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and we're the first and we're the first and only uh, billion euro butter brand uh, from Ireland, uh, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, we're very close to the billion dollar mark in America. But um, back in the nineties, we needed to expand, and, and uh, our strategy was to be an international dairy company. And to be an international dairy company, you uh, needed to be in America. And it's a strong, stable economy, and the sheer scale of America made it very attractive. So in the 90s, we came here, and I often think about trade barriers and tariffs, but the story of Renew is a really good example of how you need to encourage trade to encourage investment. So when we came here in in the 90s, and uh, we put a strategy together, and uh, we had to find a location. Mm. And so um, lots of importers pick New Jersey or New York where the ports are, but you'll never set foot on the port. So we wanted to find a central location that, um, that you could reach both coasts, mm. that you had direct access to Ireland, but had a pool of talent, a pool of educated, experienced, talented professionals, and also was a welcoming town. And Chicago ticked all those boxes and more. And you're not about connecting the dots. Well, talk about like one of the most welcoming places to, uh, to our team and then the American team that we have brought in. So since the 90s, um, Kerrygold has become the number two butter brand in the United States. We pinch ourselves Mm. when we think that this brand 
that comes from 14,000 farms is the number two in a, a country that's got 330 million people. Mm. And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And the success of that has, has allowed us to build confidence. I'm sorry, I don't know if I said the number one rule for curry goals is that it has to be Irish. So it's all Irish dairy, Irish products. But the success of that has built confidence for us to invest. So we've actually invested in American dairy ingredient companies that sell B2B, so completely separate to the, the good Irish dairy stuff, the B2B like for uh, what we call functional cheeses, like your frozen pizza cheeses, like your mac and cheese. And we now have, to, to your point, we've got like uh, seven factories here now in the United States through acquisition, and we're now employing 900 people across the country, but mainly Wisconsin, four factories, Minnesota, Illinois, and uh, Pennsylvania. So it's been an amazing success, and it started in Chicago and... Fantastic. Nowhere better. Um, and Ambassador, just as, as, as we hear all of this, I mean, one thing you touched on in your remarks was, I suppose, heritage and emigration was, was kind of the foundation for the relationship between Chicago and Ireland. Um, as we look to the future, it's increasingly built on business. But how do we keep that sort of um, emotional tie as well as the business ties? I mean, it's amazing to see that we're the ninth largest trading partner with the US, but how do we make sure that we don't lose that emotional tie as well? You know, it's a really critical issue because, of course, uh, time and generations pass. Mm. And people, I've met many of you today who are telling me your third generation rather than 50 years ago was first or second generation. So there is an issue about losing the direct link with Ireland. And I think the answer to that is that we really need to work with our next generation. Mm. Our next generation, not necessarily of young people forced to leave the island of Ireland to come to the United States, but that generation of highly educated young people who will come and work with Ornua and maybe return to Ireland um, in terms of their experience, but then importantly that we have people uh, you know, working in US companies based in Ireland, like PepsiCo, where we have a young generation on both ends of the spectrum who are getting to know what, what, what I like to call affinity Irish is about. So it's not necessarily um, you know, linked to your parents' generation, but it is to your own experience, your own immediate experience. We work very hard on bringing Irish students. Many of you probably have been exposed to J1 students. Um, we have a working holiday uh, arrangement, a working holiday visa that works also, where we're trying to encourage US students to come to Ireland and spend part of their semester abroad. I'm a huge advocate of this sense that getting to know us a little bit on the ground. I regard those young uh, Americans who come back from time in Ireland as the real ambassadors for Ireland because they have experienced our first-class education system uh, that Marion spoke about earlier, but they've also spent time in Ireland with our literature, with Mm. our culture, with all of those assets that meant so much to those who left the island in the first place. President Biden in Ireland last week, he didn't start doing it in Ireland, quoting Irish poetry, but it's part of his sense of his link to Ireland, is to hear the rhythms of our language and our poetry. And having young people exposed to that is so critical. And finally, something I plan to work on a bit more now um, in in my role in Washington is... If our political systems aren't engaging with each other at a working level, at a state level, um, importantly also at national level, politicians hearing each other speak about what matters, I think that will help 
bond the two uh, the two of us together better. We sometimes, you know, drift a little bit apart in terms of the politics of where we're sitting. I spoke earlier about on the global stage, the two countries adopt very like-minded mm. approaches. This generation I'm talking about um, are concerned about climate. They're very concerned about a, an existential link. We have a Green Party in government in Ireland. We have so much that's of interest to a generation of young people who um, are coming through now who give some credit, maybe more than mine did, my generation did, to the values and the principles that we spoke about earlier. Um, so I think we, we have to work it, is mm. the answer. It will come economically, it will come politically. Our cultural offer, our music, our dance, I think all of you know we lead with that as our, um, as our introduction uh, to the rest of the world. And it's such a, a, a door opener for us. And I think it's also something that we, we can show. We tried to do that on St. Patrick's Day in Washington. It's also something that's growing in a new holistic way into a 21st century offer. So we had a night in the Kennedy Center that expressed that 21st century all-island approach. A lot of artists from Northern Ireland, any of you who here who have managed to watch the Jerry Girls <laughs> will, uh, will know that um, there's a, a lively wit in Northern Ireland that wasn't just in Seamus Heaney's genius, but that translates to 21st century. We have dancers who are not the kind of classical Irish dancing I did in my youth, but who are modern in that expression. So I think we're growing it through, and we're trying to make sure that that affinity side of Irishness is understood and embraced. Yeah, actually, I was flying back from Ireland on a trip recently, and I was in one of those four seats in the middle of the plane, and there were three American girls beside me who were laughing so loudly at whatever it was they were watching. But I had to tap, and I said, what are you watching? And she said, Derry Girls. And I said, I hadn't seen... I actually hadn't seen it and I said can you understand it and I said why do you find it funny and she said because I had nuns teaching me so it's a kind of a university you don't have to be from Northern Ireland to make Dairy Girls but laugh. if I may yeah. without making it sound like a promo for Dairy Girls which it is in a way <laughs> um, it's one of the most clever captures yeah. of the politics yeah. of Northern Ireland yeah. that I have ever seen yeah. it's really quite extraordinary um, and once you get over and I come like Kevin from County Louth the border county I see Brian not there where sometimes the accents can be hard to follow but uh, once I got over that part of it if you listen closely to the interactions you will unravel the modern history in terms of Northern Ireland. I completely agree and actually I would highly recommend it if you haven't seen it because it is incredibly poignant about how families live through really turbulent times and how sometimes it doesn't get in the way at all and other times it throws life completely upside down. Uh, How are we doing on time? Yep, you won lead us right into and I could ask you all to keep your front seats of course and it's going to get a little loud in here okay if we uh cue the music and uh it leads right into our our finale oh perfect great so thank you very much thank you to our panel and I please we'll go
Project. Here's Lane Alexander to explain what you saw. Thank you. Um, thank you very much. I'm Lane Alexander. I'm the founding director of the Chicago Human Rhythm Project. And as you can see, that's our project. That's our human rhythm. <laughs> we present rhythm culture in performances education, and economic development uh, initiatives. And I'd like to recognize the artists who performed today. First, the female-led professional African dance ensemble, Ayadeli Drum and Dance. Our Irish contingent <laughs> on happy grounds. First, Katie Grennan on Fiddle and Feet. Yeah. 
Mr. John Williams on accordion. And Mr. Mike Austin on the bow rod. Now, one little aside here. Uh, Katie and John were supposed to be on a plane right now to Ireland. And they, they changed their plan so that they could be here today. Because they are on their way to Ireland to be married next Wednesday. <laughs> so... So may we offer our blessings and best wishes for a long and prosperous life making music. And then, of course, last but not least, our American contingent of jazz musicians. First, Mr. Brent Griffin Jr. on sax. Brent, are you still over here? Yes. A guest artist from New York, Christina Carmanucci. And Chicago Cuban Rhythm Project Artistic Director, Mr. Jamani Taylor. The last piece that you saw was actually an excerpt from a longer work called Supreme Love based on the music of John Coltrane's A Love Supreme. And it's closing tonight at the Dance Center of Columbia College. If anybody is interested in going to see the program, we have flyers by the front door. Um, we, we tried to encapsulate 400 years of American history in a 10-minute presentation. So pardon, pardon us if there were any omissions in our attempt to be brief, but... While we celebrate the founding of the United States, we also acknowledge the horrors that we, that we experienced along the way, including the atrocities of the Atlantic slave trade and the, three, the wars of the three kingdoms and the Cromwellian invasion of Ireland. Those events over centuries um, propelled um, Irish and African people to collide on the North American continent. And the collision created a spark that we now recognize as American tap dance. Those two, those two cultures found a way to express a new way. In the early 20th century, the jazz hoofers and the jazz musicians really defined American tap dance as a black and American tradition. Um, but its roots are deeply embedded in Irish and African culture. And we're so honored to be here with you, Ambassador Bernason, to celebrate your, your visit here to Chicago, of which we hope it's just the first of many more to come, and um, to also welcome all of you all to the, these proceedings. So um, our, the chairman of our board, Mr. Kweku Osebra, who's from Ghana, had hoped to be here today. He got called away from business because we do have a, a gift that we would like to present to you. Um, there was another young woman who started as a dancer who ended up being an ambassador and a representative, and that would have been Shirley Temple Black, another well-known dancer who grew up to be an ambassador. And she actually was the ambassador to Ghana. And so our, our uh, board chair, Kweku Osebra, is from Ghana. And so from his sister, she sent uh, this, this walking cane from Ghana. And to present it to you, please, um, please welcome our artistic director, Mr. Jamani Taylor. I'm going to speak on a year. I hope you will accept this uh, offering straight from West Africa. It's uh, Sankofa, is what they call it in Ghana. And it just means looking back to get it. It's a proverb that really, I guess, reflects on the tradition within, of course, looking back to the past to know how to move forward for the future. 
Um, and that's what the Chicago Human Rhythm Project, after 30 years and still doing the work, we try to keep the honor of the African and the Irish coming together to create this American art form of tap dance. So we wanted to honor you as well with this West African Sankofa. Wow. Hope you like it. Here, just like to say a huge thank you. This is absolutely extraordinary. You know, asking an Irish woman to accept a gift that looks back to the past is a, is a fairly good bet. But if I can say, if I can say two things, one that uh, President Biden has, I, I use it as my mantra as ambassador. He spoke about this a number of years ago, of nostalgia for the future. And I think conceptually it unites us. And during my time at the United Nations, we worked most closely um, with our African sisters and brothers. And I think we had most in common with them. Not least that it was a famous Irish diplomat, uh, Conor Cruz O'Brien, who founded the university in Accra in Ghana. I had no idea this was happening today, but I have a, a, both a professional and personal reason for being so touched by this. And I want to say a big congratulations to all of the dancers. I spent many years trying to become a, a great dancer, which uh, I surrendered for diplomacy, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm very jealous and a very happy, happy wedding to the two uh, and thank you who are going there. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, Ambassador. It's us learning that you uh, were, were a dancer that led us to, uh, to put this together. So we hope you enjoyed this wonderful taste of Chicago. It's an honor to have you here. Thank you all for being here. There is cheese from Kerrygold. Feel free to stick around. Uh, it's been such a great day, and I hope you all have a great weekend and Ambassador Safe Travels back home. Thank you very much. Thank you. City Club is adjourned. Thank you.